0: And we're at a moment where sort of all all contradictions are heightened. Byproduct of the crisis of contemporary
1: capitalism, we find ourselves invisible this week in class politics. Classic fucking boomer. Old New Left maintaining the relationship with neoliberalism. No capital No capital No capitalism. Capital. No no no. Are right, you international we're from cameras? Well, hello, you're listening to Doll Capital. Welcome to the show. And today, you're with Jacob, Ben, and and who have we got today, Jacob? We're joined by Jose. Hello. How are
2: you going? Good, good.
1: Now, look, I just want to just run through what we're talking about today. We've got a really exciting episode. Um, We're really fortunate to have Jose on. Look, last month, um, nearly a month ago, the Chilean people voted overwhelmingly in a national plebiscite to approve the writing of a new constitution. The new constitution will end... Um, the one that was imposed on the Chilean people by the neoliberal dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet on the 11th of September, 1980. Now, the plebiscite result comes after many months of upheaval and revolt from all sections of Chilean society against neoliberal austerity. We're chatting today with Jose Munz.
2: Munoz, yeah. Munoz, Munoz. Munoz.
1: A long-time ACT-based socialist <laughs> and uh, labour activist about the revolt at the, um, the plebs site, including his recent eyewitness experience of these struggles um, early in the year. We'll no doubt touch on Chile's political history since the U.S.-backed military overthrow of Allende's uh, socialist government back in 1973. Funnily enough, on the 11th of September. The, I
2: had no idea that he yeah. coincided with the 11th. Yeah, yeah that, uh, for the, the uh, pretty, pretty dark. yeah, for yeah. the
1: yeah, the real 9/11. <laughs> and we'll be talking about resistance to Pinochet's regime. I'm sure we will cover on, on, on that and a return to the limited democracy and where things are today. So we're going to be talking the present and getting into the past. And it is one of those things that we do on this show trying to try and understand. Yep. what's going on now and let's go have a little bit back in history as well there's a yeah. lot
2: there's a lot there yeah
1: now last thing i'd say about this this show we look we're especially keen to explore why the revolt of 2020 is important for radical democrats mm. and why there has been so little coverage of this movement from the perspective of, of activists um, in australia and beyond so welcome to Dole yeah. capital jose thank you for having me it's great to be here now let's talk about the results of the plebiscite—an um, overwhelming uh, vote um, for a new draft constitution—where uh, the referendum was held and saw Chilean voters overwhelmingly approve it with a seventy-eight um, percent.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, and it um, was a higher voter turnout, I think, in like the history of recent elections, at least mm-hmm. for the last twenty years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the
1: second question I understand on the, on the ballot, other than the uh, the draft, that there be a draft. Uh, was that um, Chileans were asked how a new constitution should be drafted uh, they voted for a constitutional convention and with members to be elected for especially for the purpose of drafting yep and, and why did Chileans prefer this um, to the attorney, which was a, a mixed convention, including currently sitting legislators? sounds a little bit like our Republican farce some years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: was, it a, 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 was it the fact that like, people voted overwhelmingly for, looks we're going to elect, elect our representatives? Was this part of the general distrust of people in It's power?
2: It's definitely got to do with that. And um, it comes to one of the central central themes for the whole left in Said so last 30 years is to write a constitution there's been 10 constitutions in chile written up uh the the one that's been going to be proposed now will be the first one that's been actually voted on by people the, all the others were done in four walls by experts and then there was no referendum no plebiscite to discuss anything um the type of representatives and and by going in the question of like who which should be the drafting body of the new constitution um a theme of the left that it should be a constituent assembly that means someone voting on a true representation of every aspect of society and that comes in um to counteract the the existing model the the, the electoral model in particular which was uh, this called the by bi, binominal model that it was around three lists. It's very complex, but it's not the most democratic thing. Uh, and for a good 20 years or so, the the, the broad left was was completely um, left out of that. Yeah. Now it's it's.
1: I mean, it's basically it's a hugely significant um, outcome for Chilean society, and it's a, a very you know, so
2: unexpected yeah. that that we've been discussing these things. Um, to change a constitution it was something that would no one like a year ago even at the start of of the process uh, would have guessed that it was going to be such a a, a deep rooting claim um, because it just affects everything from the uh, the political institutions uh, the way the economy uh, operates and the role of political parties Mm -hmm. um, what's been asked for and and um even to, to to get to the stage of a plebiscite, it was a total rejection of, of a model completely. Yeah. And it goes to say, "Why is this uh, underreported?" Yeah. Um, I think is yeah, pretty much like having to question capitalism since the, from the '70s onwards, and and to apply that model anywhere, uh, that's what they're rejecting.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's get to like the the form that that rejection has taken. Um, so one of the key catalysts of the campaign for. The drafting of the new constitution was these massive student protests um, that have been happening. I think I think 2007 is probably like the first instance, yeah, In 2011, um, and then much more recently, like last year, 2019, um, which took the that was sort of centered around this specific issue of public transport fare hikes. Um, so, um, what was it you know specifically about the constitutional arrangement in Chile since 1980 that has meant that you know in order for the students' demands to be met that you know it's necessary to completely start from scratch and go into the sort of yeah make radical reforms that go into the deep roots of Chilean sort of political society
2: um overall it's been what role the state should have in in i guess to support people's lives what what, what people have been asking saying that the state has not acted on their behalf uh in, in things like the the health system the mm. public health system the education uh, system being rolled back to such to such a degree that um, they're completely kind of non-existent. They, they, they're like default models that are underfunded. And yeah, education and health is probably the best example that you can see that mm-hmm. people have to make long queues to, to, to get to see a doctor and then where, where the, there's a bit of a uh, subsidy and leniency. Mm-hmm. Um, or there is another model where it's user pay and you can have the best specialists and, and it, um, the, it's it's a completely um, it, it it yeah you see all these differences pretty much from suburb to suburb. When mm. in a place like Santiago, um, it's a different world altogether. Mm. Um, it's it's private. It's user pay, and that's the way that they created it.
1: I, and I guess that's the thing for a lot of our listeners who wouldn't quite understand that that the reality is that the current constitution literally locks in neoliberal. That's right. Policies of, of literally in, in, enshrining a user
2: pays health system, and they're quite well, vocal and, and well. vocal and well, proud about. Well, well, as well, wasn't it? And, yep, yep. Everything and, should be privatized. Yeah. At the model, the most extreme thing: the water, all of the water is, pri- yeah. is privatized.
1: I, th- I mean, yeah. this stuff. I, mean, I was <laughs> I, I was someone who thought I knew a little bit about Chile, but uh, the most re- well, it was fascinating for me actually reading. Like, oh, it was this 1980 constitution that really impose this um, sort of situation um, do we want to like go a little bit like why maybe we'll go back mm. and we'll go back to 1980 as, as like mm. how did the Chilean ruling class get away with imposing yeah. ne- a neoliberal um, program I think uh, it, constitution it, on, on the population
2: yeah and 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 uh the way that they've done it to impose this model were quite unapologetic. Uh, um, the, the main architect of, of the Constitution, this guy called Jaime Guzman, is an intellectual from the right, uh, a few generations younger than um, a lot of the generals in the 70s. Um, the architect of the Constitution, one of the Chicago boys that, that, that studied under Milton Friedman, uh, who was then invited by Pinochet and pretty much had reigns of the entire economy. Um, to to be their experiment, uh, and there's a, there was a quote that I read recently by Guzman saying that they wanted to um, write a constitution that was going to safeguard uh, Chilean society from Marxism, and also to to uh, uh, to secure the the market, <laughs> which is such a contradiction in in, in itself. Um, everything is private. They they the, the, the were the first ones to implement it. Uh, Labor rights completely stripped away. There was, uh, any, anywhere that you think that the state had a role in, in education or in civil society, it's been sold off or, or it's been the market that's decided. Um, now, with those, to enshrine those uh, uh, um, those ideals of, of that of Constitution, the mechanism that they currently have, there's an, um, it's, it's called the Constitutional Tribunal. Anything that's passed through Parliament, both chambers could be already legislated, ticked, goes to this independent tribunal and they get to say whether that's constitutional or unconstitutional so anything like any court, right? any sort of socialization would be deemed to be illegal exactly mm. so there's even stuff that even all sectors of the political spectrum have agreed this is necessary for the form it gets kind of vetoed scrapped away by this body it also goes um, with our presidential and judicial decrees as well so they have quite a, uh, an array of power there
1: so this is this is lying it's it's neoliberal authoritarianism, um, you know, writ large. Like, and and I guess this is probably for our listeners, they probably might not understand that, and they might not understand that 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 has existed now in in Chile since nineteen seventy three. Mm. But but to lock it in to the constitution in nineteen eighty is, is quite amazing. So mm. it it just mm. shows um, the amazing
0: result. That was the sort of culmination of a protest, a, a process going back since the the fall of Allende in 73, I think, where um, I suppose these um, the people talk about Chile as being having been kind of a laboratory for neoliberalism right? So we're going back even a little bit further than that. Yeah. Right? But um, uh, I guess what's interesting to me is the sense in which it, it was actually necessary in order to conduct these radical experiments which were obviously going to destroy people's lives and the sort of social and communal bonds that, you know, people support each other through, um, because all of that needs to be marketized. Um, it's necessary, or it was necessary for an authoritarian military dictatorship to preside over these this, this experiments. And so um, that's the, th- the, the thing that made me really eager to, to sort of talk about Chile on the podcast kind of early on is that it's like a really crucial part of the history that we're all part of, like the global history of neoliberalism, that affects us all. Mm. I mean, there's not much time at all in between the fall of Allende and, and Whitlam, and Whitlam is not uh, not an equivalent figure to Allende, but um, I don't know, there's something significant about that. Absolutely. Like, was, yeah. um, that moment in world history, in, in deep politics, um, and, you know, like we were, we were chatting, chatting on mic before, off mic, uh, about how um, the Chicago boys really... Um, were the product of this um, U.S. State Department uh, program that went right back to the into late the late late fifties where they were giving I
2: scholarships. had no idea about that yeah yeah
0: <laughs> U.S. State Department um, was called the Chile program and that was sort of a subset of the point four program which was you know soft power soft mm. diplomacy and education program equivalent to, kind of like to Australia's New Colombo or Colombo program um, uh, where they were giving scholarships to Chilean economic students sending them off to chicago mit and harvard to study libertarian economics and they were doing that since (laughs) right back and they Mm. stopped in 1970 um and those guys remained They came back to chile remained right on the fringes of you know chilean economic thought up until pinochet comes in so you know you you can see the roots of this process happening that's um, right way back and it you know it originates in u.s foreign policy not in not necessarily in internal uh processes of like historical processes in chile um that's another interesting thing is like for it to become possible for um, the uh, sort of ruling lump and ruling classes or um, or bourgeois class in uh, especially quite prosperous countries in the sort of post-war era. It was necessary for some kind of external intervention for those ruling classes, military hunters, etc., to get the, the confidence necessary to be able to that step to to actually forcibly take power, and you see it in um, Indonesia as well. That's right. And of course, the operation that deposed ANE was referred to as Operation Jakarta.
2: That's yeah. right. And even previously, one of the main kind of examples that Chile was, which a coup that everyone saw uh, saw that it was going to be um, it was unavoidable, uh, was the example of what happened in Brazil. Mm. Uh, and, and to that degree of of using the military pretty much to exterminate the opposition not just to beat them and take over power because throughout all of latin american history <laughs> it's happened time and time again but uh to do it in a, such a systematic way to to pretty much eliminate generations of left-wing activists yep. and mm. and and of course we, we all know that um all these dictators um were from the same thinking from the from the same school and, and cooperated um with each other's intelligence services. Hmm. Often um, literally
0: all trained in the school of the Americas, yeah. for example. Yeah.
2: That's right.
1: And would you would you agree, Jose, that like, I mean, there's an interesting argument that would that sometimes go around, that there's this sort of bizarre innocence in Australian academic circles, that they, they think that the march of neoliberal um, economics and neoliberal sort of, you know, norms that we've had you know, for for some decades, or well, considered the norm, um, that it's all just been um, a benign like it, it would always happen because it's just a benign process, all very logical, and um, you know the strength of their the merits of their you know their science, meaning that was these you know these systems could organically uh, be created. Like, what was did did they really um, you know like? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> But I don't know if you understand where I'm going. I'm Not very clear there. But uh, was the transition to like liberalisation in the mid 70s? Yeah,
0: did they really, really, natural, really natural process? Yeah, think, was it yeah. a natural process,
1: yeah. or did they really need a
2: military dictatorship um, to, to, to enforce? That's a good question. I think that there's a combination of both. Um, what we saw coming out of this was pretty much um, Chile had been one of the first republics in history. Like what. And the institutions were always very important uh, um, throughout this whole process. What we started seeing from the 70s onwards, it's the rolling back of the state that we're all familiar with. In Australia, in Britain, Europe, US, everywhere, we've all seen how this has been applied. taken decentralizing uh, um, the way a welfare state would have operated. Um, the education system in Chile is a good example of it, that, uh, well, the first thing that they would strip it away was give that authority to the municipalities, yeah. uh, local government, and then the, the, the constant struggle of local governments trying to beg for funding so they can have these models and actually apply them. Um, we've 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 seen that everywhere. and the other thing that everyone anecdotally talks about is pretty much the selling off of everything and that goes from the best produce to the best seafood they say all this stuff goes to export and then things being sold off land mm. being sold yep. off uh, and even to now we've seen um the entire water system privatized it's completely that and mm. the one of the most outrageous things that everyone's really really angry about is the pension system the market-based pension yes. system mm. that deliver so little uh, and was always seen as not a very successful model because once they applied it to the entire Chilean population, the military and police have a separate pension scheme that pays out 10 times more than what the current right. model would do. Um, and the people who are affected the most uh, would have been your, your, your urban working class, your teachers, your people working in municipalities. Uh, uh, local government uh, workers, yep. nurses—they're uh, the ones who had to work an entire lifetime and then being put in a pension system that doesn't work. Doesn't work. What I saw mostly, and this goes with all the retirees, is that of course they can't stop working, so they might receive a pension, but you'll see an old lady selling ice creams by a street corner store, um, and and that's kind of what kind of witnesses here as well. Yes, mm. people selling things everywhere, and.
1: So, that, I mean, this was literally the logical outcome of that, well, the, the neoliberal experiment, the, the um, well, you, you can all, I mean, it is a, it's a fascist experiment, really, in terms of what we're talking about, all power to the state, and then basically fevery c- carried out by a ruling class in cahoots with a, an overseas imperial mm-hmm. power. Which
2: is not that libertarian to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: stripped wealth, uh, yeah. redistributed upwards, and ensured, uh, tried to did everything they could to crush the democratic yeah. um, rights and egalitarian yeah. so the aspirations of the, the working and people and the poor of Chile. Um, we don't... I mean, you know, we can go back to, to Pinochet, but I, but I think we should... The, the, there's that period that, to understand now, that incredible result on the 25th of October, um, we don't want to let... Um, you know, some of the, some of the um, the comrades off the hook, so to speak, <laughs> um, because when Pino- P- let's let's go back to get yep. historical. Let's step 4 We're not going to seventy three. There were a number of um, uprisings against Pinochet uh, and the regime, um, particularly like the mid eighties, then in late eighties into to that. To eventually, he just said that. You know, my my understanding is he he basically all of a sudden dies, and then who comes and saves him? And what why is it that? It's taken till twenty twenty to bring about a constitutional reform to actually mm. get to yeah. this point now.
2: What do, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think it, it's and if you're analysing the left, you have to go that far back, uh, and and what happened when pretty much the military took over uh, the state of the left entirely, um, and the, there was always a level of resistance that, that was there. Um, a lot of people were exiled, and those in in, in in more public public figures uh, but the organizations the political parties uh, and the and those networks still operated um, and the, mainly from a tra- uh, trade union uh, level as well as as even local communities uh, you see this in Santiago where the majority of the population in Chile lives uh, of slums that, that were that were self-created because they just took, took over the land and actually had a had a bit of a claim for it but mm-hmm. Um, when you were lacking all, all that welfare, it's informal structures that, that operate. And, and there's a phrase that it's been used a lot saying, El Pueblo, Ayuda Pueblo says that it's the people who help the people, not the mm. state. And, and what they're asking for at the moment, it is not for the state to rescue them and, and to give them economic perspective, but, um, Pretty much be be part of that process. Help the people. It's saying yeah that it's only the people being active by by your community yeah. by those around yeah. you that's going to get you forward and and, and obviously with a vision of struggle yeah, that yeah. that nothing's going to be handed to him and then um, yeah so I guess they want more protagonism in yeah, in, yeah. In, in everything that's going to come forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, the resistance was always there and and after the after Pinochet years as well the 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 youth, the, the student um, in, in generations and generations, it, that's where the spark happens. That's, they're the first protesters. And um, in 2007, uh, there was a massive uprising of high school students, the, mm. um, the mostly 14, 15 year olds, where they just took over, schools, over the quality of public education. Mm. And because of them witnessing a good 30 odd years of lack of funding of the state being rolled back, they, they 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 see it with their own eyes, like the lack of like uh, a wind broken windows, leaky roofs. Yeah. Um, so the claim is to, for a, a pub, public education model that's actually going to be representing everyone. Yeah. And it was high school students in two thousand and seven they yeah. did it. Then in twenty eleven there was another university students this time, but probably the same generation of yeah, young that's people, exactly right? what yeah. that, that yeah. point the end yeah. who are currently yeah. uh, with the current so. What I'm what I'm really interested in with, uh, in with that is that
0: you know you have had um, by that point um, the the sort of fifteen odd years of really really brutal repression of the left and of the student movement from the mid seventies on, and then slowly, sort of you know um, a rise of some protest movements that then lead in nineteen ninety to the restoration of sort of democratic participation. But this new generation, this student movement, I'm wondering like was there anybody left of the older generation many people like they're able sort of to to lead them or to act as mentors or to sort of you know, um take them through it or is that sort of are they generated sort of out of the objective factors around them mostly you know like um what's there for them like um,
2: the currently it's seen as quite leaderless but yeah. um out of 2011 where there was a massive massive student mobilizations uh, once again, asking for the for, for the same claims of of, of uh, uh, a better-funded public model, the current generation is is politicized, but they're not not in in the way in the traditional way that we're all accustomed to. The the role of political parties has really diminished, and you can see that happening from the time the transition to democracy uh, uh, kicked in as well.
1: So what, what happened there in 1990? I mean, my understanding is like, that the socialist and the, the far left organisations sort of come, all of a sudden come out of being...
2: It, it was reported as a
1: win. And, and, and they went, okay, 1999, Pinochet's gone, cool, we're gonna have democracy now. Because the way it's, look, often a report in Australia is like, oh, Pinochet's gone, restoration to democracy, nothing to see here. Uh, it wasn't until um, there was that interesting thing of Pinochet goes off to the UK and people try to get him for war crime uh, for crimes against yeah. humanity. That people are in Australia are going, "Oh, what's going on?" I thought, it you know, <laughs> wh- why, why? Why? Yeah, it? no, wasn't uh, there a peaceful transition to power? Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. And that was the intention to have that uh, transition, but it's a transition yeah. of power that they orchestrated and yeah. wrote mm. with the 1980 Constitution. Yeah. So one of the thing, the one of the the results that came out of it was how long that uh, a plebiscite to decide the continuation of the military role in 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 government and particularly the pinochet himself so in 1990 um there was a referendum that they had projected in 1980 um that was going to decide whether uh whether pinochet should stay another eight years uh that was rejected by by a large majority which at the time People were expecting that the plebiscite was going to be cooked, um, cooked yeah. in, uh, the way that they did it in 1980. So there was a lot of hesitation, even from sectors of the left. Do we give endorsement to a process that we know it's going to be corrupted and manipulated? Mm. Uh, are, are we going to form something separate? Yeah. Um, at the end of that, those who seemed like as a formal opposition, which are mainly uh, Christian Democrats uh, yeah. um, and uh, um large sections of the Socialist Party who'd seen as kind of the, the institutional left because all the other left were illegal. By no, 1989, they still didn't exist, so they, they could never be included in or deemed as the opposition. Yeah. Um, but the transition, the way we saw it in, in the West was that it was a, they lost an election, they had to bow their heads and move on. Uh, no, this was something that they had planned that they were going to... Uh, uh, so that uh, what a lot of people say that is that all you saw was the the clothing of those of those officials changed from military uniforms to civilian clothing, but yeah. not much changed. People's jobs uh, uh, didn't change. Yeah. The, the way uh, um, you, you got your your local municipal services didn't change. So it was something like, all oh, right, it's supposed to affect me in a way, wow. but. Um, yeah, it's well, already been decided on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's a, that's a really
1: um, fantastic uh, analogy because you're reminding me of what happened in the state capitalist regimes in in the east, uh, in Eastern Europe, where you know, oh yeah, we're having glasnost, we're going to have democracy, we're opening up. Then there's up, you know, there's a little bit of like, oh, the some of the authoritarianism is sort of, you know, okay, no, we're going to smash this. Up. It's going too far. But in most places they then decide, you know, actually what what we're going to do is we'll I have democracy but it's going to be completely on our terms. So literally the people who used to run the state-run industries, you know, had all the power just changed suits, so That's to speak. That's right. Not only that, they went and, you know, liquidated state-run, um, mm-hmm. um, you know.
2: Yep, and and, and that, that's and what industries mm-hmm.
1: and made their billions out of it, and, and this is how we got Putin. Yeah. But this is like that's, that's going a, from a state capitalist, capitalist yeah. model. But
2: it's that. a it's yeah. a parallel that goes from yeah. in the same time, same time would it be nineteen ninety yeah. where. Um, yeah, but the same thing. All these uh, uh, private investors yeah. uh, uh, were, all of a sudden had a claim yeah. in the Chilean economy. Yeah. And Pinera, Pinera is a cr- prime example of that. Yeah, yeah. He is a guy who introduced credit cards to Chile, mm. um, oh, well, owned awesome the line. airline, yeah. and um, yeah, the, the, the same oligarchs were developed in the same time as they were in Russia. So you had before. He was yeah. also yeah.
0: like outright stealing uh, from.
2: He was convicted yeah. of it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Those. <laughs> So, and, yeah, and
0: several financial crimes,
2: and pretty, more yeah. than once, and yeah. these are reported, convicted on, and it just overlooked, yeah, as yeah, yeah. overlooked, and with the same example by his supporters that you you see from a Trump or someone yes. who's successful in business, yeah, uh, might as well try it in in public life because they can find success there and mm. and be non compromising, and yep. um, but the yeah w- within within that that framework of things are meant to be nice and and better, and democracy came. Uh, people started slowly realizing that that this didn't change, and uh, so many people f- and now say that they felt cheated back in yep, '89, yep. and that they weren't going to let that happen again. And mm-hmm. this is t- about 2020. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. So uh, one of the uh, the, the chant the and, and phrases that came out of the whole thing that it wasn't over a thirty uh, peso uh, fare hike that they're protesting. It goes back to the, it wasn't the thirty pesos, the thirty years. Mm-hmm. Thirty years. Yeah. So it's a really claim it back. So, uh,
0: what from nineteen ninety? Like, you know, as um, as Pinera is like you know, um, and his sort of buddies are looting um, the rapidly privatizing, still privatizing economy. You have um, uh, Concertacion, the um, le- center-left coalition, comes into power, um, and they're actually you know in power uninterrupted with different president uh, That's presidential true. winning candidates. Um, right through to 2010. Yeah. I
2: see so, Christian Democrats and, and from the Socialist Party. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So can you take us through um, what kind of, you know, um, modest ambitions their parties had for sort of social and economic reforms in Chile and why what they did in that 20-year period was inadequate to, you know, addressing the sort of fundamental contradictions that had been embedded in, you
2: know, Chilean politics and the economy? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, they and, and what I mean what was seen as a formal opposition in 99 and really Christian Democrats Christian Democrats are seen as kind of like the the arbiters or, or, or the way that we see uh, cross benches you know the, 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 who's gonna uh, which way they're gonna tip the scales the or the what of what they 19, do yeah. and in 1970s which no party could do then they thought maybe the military should be that arbitrator that jumps in to save the country um, in 1989 we didn't know i knew what this process was going to look like and um uh, patricio elwin who was like the first uh, president elected after he was one of the first guys who called for the coup in 73 he, like he was one of the, the guys who was like he was convinced that that quite naively and a lot of people and a lot of people thought that the military were gonna step in and be and, and look after the institutions and then back off because why wouldn't they it was a lot of uh, that went politicized, yep. and and that, that was, and again, these the 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 past thirty years and the way institutions were presented to the Chilean population, um, and the, the economic model which was untouched, and and they never claimed to actually. Tackle the economic model. You just didn't discuss it. Mm, Uh, And as you're saying, things were still being privatized. Um, The first two governments of of uh, um, of the Christian Democrats they did make changes. I mean, uh, my mum has a has a a, a pension that she receives because of my my brother um, been killed in Chile. That was one of the things that they proposed. So there were little things, and and from uh, social Democratic guys as well, it, it was stuff that you, we would see in ALP meetings, it was very similar things that that, you, that were seen as, as progress, but challenging the economic model where the money was coming from or, or private or public. Thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. They were not even in the discussion. They, the table, they, they, yeah. always, they just didn't think about it. And then slowly started seeing things being privatised even more, our foreign interests are, are, are having more more say as well. Yeah, And what we're seeing is that very similar uh, parallels historically that we're seeing in the, uh, of conditions but economically didn't happen in Chile there was no baby boomer class from the 60s that actually had a bit of umf, who bought who bought their own property who Pretty much became middle class, like yeah, formally, like yeah. economically Experience middle class. Like rapid, exactly, uh,
0: accelerated prosperity.
2: And exactly, and, and then you're in a position that you can kind of trial out the market a bit more. And and um, in Chile, this didn't happen. So those generations of, of, of people who were going, for, for instance, the, the um, university students ten years ago, it was the first generation going to university. So. Uh, there was no middle class, there. and, and yep. any hints that there was—I mean, they are living paycheck by paycheck or relying on credit cards, which mm. is is a common thing. And and, and once again, it's normalised you to indebt yourself just to pay the bills, to mm. use credit cards, and uh, it's considered that as uh, something normal.
0: Yeah. So we have now. I mean, it's um it's common amongst basically all um you know current um post uh, maybe post-colonial post-imperial. Um, social democratic countries like australia like um the uk certainly in the us um there is this sort of um capitalist realism you know in this in the sort of general public sentiment that um pervades not only the right-wing parties but certainly center-left parties like the labor parties yeah um which yeah which says um there's a consensus uh, in the ruling class on um what's going to happen to you materially or economically where we're going to just slowly we're going to progress through these like stages of you know privatization deregulation um and the marketization of all you know human social relations basically uh and what you get to choose between is you know uh two different maybe you know affective responses to that suffering that that you will undergo basically that do you do you want to sort of um, feel feel good about yourself um, in saying like well we'll, we'll have um, humane policies around allowing you know access to markets for minor you know ethnic minorities and women and transgender people and gay people will and so you know we'll feel good about ourselves because at least we're doing that um, or uh, will you you know take the other effective uh, route and say like you know um, hell no we're going to be like kind of Chauvinistic about it, and we'll just um, go down in a blaze of glory, and um, and piss everybody off, while we, you know, uh, also, you know, just go down into a sort of neoliberal hellhole. And that those are really the two options that are presented mm. through mainstream yeah. politics. And what's happened in Chile most recently is like a, a third alternative that necessarily didn't come out of the existing political mm. structures. It had to come out of, you know, the a social movement, right? Um, so, I don't know. I, I wonder if maybe you could yeah.
1: talk about in, like, in, why that was, why that had to happen that uh, way. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and this thing, like this is something. Um, I mean, which we're really grateful to have you on, Jose, because Jose was there early, early in in the year before COVID happened. And what? What's, yeah, you know, in, what's,
2: in February, March. Yeah.
1: yeah. What's your take about you know? What, what, yeah. I mean, obviously, you had an amazing experience, but like, why did they? You know, why were they able to break break out of the straight yeah. jacket?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question because the, those two. Ideological uh, options that we have in 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 developed countries, that kind of uh, mundane dullness of, of, of political reality was something that people were going through in Chile as well. Mm-hmm. And anyone who was left leaning or even slightly uh, a, a progressive, they were in the same in the same dilemma. If, to th- think about uh, Chilean social change and, and and politics was the most depressing thing. And even personally, I kind of. De- naturally uh, I've detached myself from it because well I don't live there for starters, you know so that, um so the this third alternative was is in hindsight we realized that it was always existed there but n- yeah no one knew that th- this was going to happen um, and a real deep understanding about market economics as well as saying that no they' they to get rich not 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 to uh, um, not to distribute their wealth it was never their intention so they, they very clearly see that the institutions, the political processes that were imposed, that they weren't going to deliver much because they didn't in the past, and that, that generation that felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they thought to create their own avenues. And, mm-hmm. and that's where what we saw of, of last year as well. Um, started off as a, a, a fair hike uh, in the public, in the metro, the, the subway uh, system. Uh, it was really impressive. It was mostly uh, 14, 15 year fifteen-year-old girls, and they, in, in from a Wednesday to a Friday, they shut down three um, metro stations and the whole thing of saying to evade paying fare. And it was a really cool chance of saying that um, they were saying um, evade, don't pay. It's another form of struggle, and it's really yeah. catchy. And like everyone started, to, so they were just encouraged to just jump it. Yep. But by three days the whole system, the whole city was shut down. Yep. And yeah, it was public high school students, mostly, yeah, our mm-hmm. girls who started the whole thing. But like we've seen traditionally, and this is something that we've all seen in in, 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 in the West, the militancy of, of those who are protesting them. Um, we've always seen characters who are, who are willing to take it a little bit more further than, than, than what they common perception of the crowd is and they go a bit bit harder in how they, they're willing to confront police and the attitudes around used to that they were going to be a minority and it was a bit of a side act but not part of the the political that was still really political theater and yeah what we've seen now that people who do wear hoods and confront police i've seen as heroes now mm. that sort of Legitimacy I've never ever seen before, and so and it's, and broader it's, than just being the and it's not political, and it's yeah. not political people who are defending them. It, this is ordinary people, um, mm-hmm. and they call the primera línea, which is called kind of the front line, um, and people, yeah, they, they, and being mostly um, quite a mix, I've got to say, but predominantly from from poor neighborhoods, um, people living out in the street. Uh, but then there was also quite a large contingent of middle-class people, office yep. workers, and they formed a barricade. And, and, so um, there were literally
1: daily protests going on.
2: Every day, and that's one of the, amazing, the most amazing things from my eyes. I said it was the same people protesting at the same time every day. So everyone got to know each other. Everyone got to know their neighbours because they're out there banging pots and pans, and um, that's something that's been done through... I remember from the 80s because... Um, the banging of pots and pans is a protest saying that the, these pots and pans are empty because mm. there's no there's nothing to put in them. Yeah, mm. um, and and oh, and they create great visuals and and, <laughs> and there were footage of it. Of just everyone, there, there was a curfew was on, but everyone through their windows was playing them. It, mm. uh, it, it was pretty cool, um, but yeah, it was the same people seeing, and then they started seeing what they could do themselves to aid. The movement or the street, mm-hmm. um, you started seeing uh, groups of mothers who decided to cook for everyone who's willing to fight the police, and they were bringing pots of, of, of dinners that they just give out to people. Um, there was um, the barbers like and, and, and hairdressers like union they set up in the middle of the park giving free haircuts to anyone. Yeah. Um, then there are those who actually take it a little bit further, who in the actual fighting of police, the, the, yeah. the, those sort of roles. Uh, there are people who, who pretty much in charge of uh, putting out tear gas canisters, carrying mm-hmm. out big jugs of, of water with a, a good leather glove so they can just, they had that role. There were other groups of, you see them almost more like a, a, a Roman Testudo sort of thing, like battalions of medics with shields. And they're usually walking around groups of eight with a stretcher bed but then yeah. there's a few others to shield so you can protect yourself mm. against yeah. uh, uh rubber pellets being fired or, or tear gas canisters mm. they were amazing because you would hear explosion noises and your instincts are to run away as far as you can and these guys were the opposite run it. they run towards it you. you hear loud bangs in an urban setting you don't know where the starting from it's coming from to begin with because of tall buildings but yeah, that was something that I was like impressed, totally impressed, because these mm. were civilians. Uh, it started off in uh, with the medics, just um, uh, nursing, med- medical students, but then people started seeing what role they played. Hmm. And so
1: these, like, I mean, it's um, yeah, those stories are like they're inspiring of, of uh, the the direct action against the the state, but. I think for our listeners what they need to to understand is that those daily protests and that confrontation was seen as part of a growing and continuing and building movement. Mm. To, I mean, yeah, the demands Yes, right? that's, they're, they're a, that's like, right. Right. It wasn't just, yeah. you know, like, um, the way you would get character to it in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, turn is that around and say, yeah. oh, it's the, yeah. you know, yeah. it's the cosplaying it's black bloc. It's a really,
0: really important distinction, distinction it is. Uh, to make between Chile and, and, for example, what's happened in the last six months in the US with their uprisings yep. um, over, like, police murders, um, I think is that there is a sort of... There's an element where you kind of, especially, like, lump and prole kind of population is experiencing intense disconnection and you know total lack of opportunity and, their, and the communal structures mm. that would normally support them have also mm. been eroded. And so it gives rise to a kind of like actionism, adventurism, yep. um, and a desire to confront state authority but without much
2: yeah. theoretical no, understanding. What you're describing yeah. as in the US, yeah. kind of like the, that, that lumpen action mm. that we're seeing. Happened parallel in Chile as well, and that created a distrust as well. Of when you're getting into those, because you didn't know which a, a, a group of hooded people. Yeah. You didn't exactly mm-hmm. know whether they were being political or yeah. they were actually getting ready to loot a supermarket, yeah, which yeah. happened. Well, there could be the police doing it. Well, that's yeah. the other thing. Agent provocateurs are seen all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Like and and and
0: well, uh, that's because the Chilean uh, authorities and police well very well practiced it. The yeah, they
2: they're, they're doing, doing it. Easy. And um and social media, the footage that you saw out of this stuff, uh, it was incredible. Um, barricade set up with. With uh, you know piles of rocks ready for people to throw, and it just automatically appear buses automatically uh, uh, spread across a road and barricaded and then lit. No one knew what this happened. And, and people with their phones filming going. We live in this neighborhood. They set up a barricade, and that's gonna be lit and flaming. There's no one here. Mm, yeah. It's just um, that that's been seen throughout, and yeah. the, that that kind of danger element of of. Uh, where well, you saw lump a uh, lump of proletariat pretty much just people yeah. awesome. yeah. uh, made things very unpredictable and, yeah. dangerous, and so, dangerous. But I think
0: it's it, it is like uh, the reason why you know talking about how um, the frontline fighters kind of came to attain this like public publicly recognised legitimacy. Um, it's probably uh, and this is this differs from the US again. Like, it's probably because uh, what the state and the police forces were using to sort of. Justify their repression of the protests were these like state of exception laws, where you know suspending kind of ordinary public order and everything, and then kind of coming in with these you know emergency powers. Exactly. And so when you have when yeah when you have that 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 police action and violence legitimated through states of exception, I think it further legitimizes the violent public response to it. Mm-hmm. You know? like yes. We create our own state of exception yep. to it, and like you were saying before as well. Uh, that they go okay. Well, look, we're going to loot. We'll, we'll loot the country and leave the poorers to sort of fend for themselves.
1: Oh no, they're they're fending for themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is like obviously Jose. The, we, I don't I don't think we've talked about this in detail, but like that's the the organisations of the left have probably finally been able to get their act together to feed into those like. I mean, it is one of those interesting. Well, you would think,
2: yeah, you would think. Yeah, think, but, you I mean, would think it- but
1: it is one of those interesting points. Like we often say, like Karl Marx talks about the working class creating the, you know, the grave diggers of capitalism. Yeah. yeah. And it, it does. You know, on one hand, we can say objectively, well, this this is an example of, um, even despite the political leadership not being there for, you know, there's been people have been pushed to rebel against what capitalism does, mm-hmm. and we got to a point now where, maybe. You know, that, that those those revolts are being pushed ahead. But politically, where's how how is the left going in terms of obviously harnessing you know, obviously it turned into this, like, being focused on this, this no. plebiscite and changing the constitution. How's the left, how is broadly the left being working? At a short term? do with each other? Is there groups that have been out in the Socialist Party, for example, that have said, look, you know, we're sick of being compromised and yeah. uh, our history is pretty ordinary. Exactly. Since Not the 90s. Like, you know, they, they had government yeah. for years and did bugger all. Like, I don't know. what's well, how, The, how the whole
2: thing with the political parties has been very interesting because out of all these protests you don't see political party flags that you would have seen in the 80s and yeah, right. there there rebe- the rebellion hasn't always been so much of the economic model but also of the political class in itself and that meant everyone in Parliament and they even would include the Communist Party as yeah. well which were excluded from the process until very very recently through um, uh, for, through the electoral system that they've always always applied now people that are working on the ground. And the, the left at the moment, the MPs from Socialist Parties, Communist Party, they, they're they trying to seek more transparency. And the focus is at the moment with the constitution that was won, is how are people gonna be elected to this body to write the constitution? That's where the question's are. Like. there's a lot of things that have been reported that it, it might be done with the way they elect the people in the lower house. That pretty much means that any legit independent say a community activist who want to kind of put their name down might have to ask pretty much from uh, endorsement from a party so they can get on a list so they can get preferences yeah um it leads and it it looks complex and 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 a way of kind of waiting out more participants as well exactly just to weigh you down in the process as well um but the the role of political parties, the way that we saw them traditionally, changes a lot. Um, the local governments that have been active now, who have been progressive, left-wing, they've actually stepped up forward. Even have we seen in in Australia with COVID responses, it's been the local governments that had to step up because they're the visual government that we see out in the streets where their yeah. garbage gets collected or yeah. you know uh, uh, traffic li- traffic lights exactly. Yeah. Um, my point um well the 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 role of the opposition it's really to see what this body is going to look like and how people mm-hmm. are going to be elected for it um the the decision was for uh, there were two options uh, for for the question first question was do we want to reject or approve the writing of a new constitution overwhelmingly voted in favor which is going to be a, a predictable outcome and then to decide what body is going to write this. Whether it's going to be a mixed uh, a bag, which is uh, which I meant half of them were going to be uh, sitting in peace, then the other half directly elected. Mm. And then the other option was called for uh, pretty much like an, um, I forgot what the actual term, but a constituent assembly, just mm-hmm. one everyone elected. Mm. There's already been talked about political parties, uh, ex MPs from both the right and, and Christian Democrat Socialists who want to jump on this. And there's one example of a guy, for a Christian Democrat, long-time Serbian MP who was there from the nine, early 1970s, so from the years of P- of a yeah. uh, He was willing to kind of put his hand up to yeah. to. Um, and even Piñera was talking quite recently. He was pretty, pretty much saying, no, 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 if you, if you want to actually be participant and be part of this process, why don't you quit your MP role and so you can jump in this role. So a complete negation of what the the actual outcome of, of the of the election. So there's
0: going to be new elections of this constituent assembly. Um, the idea of having it sort of non-mix and a totally um, directly elected assembly was the policy that um, the broad front um, you know, new kind of student movement and left coalition ran on. So do you think the fact that that was the option that got up means that people have an appetite to see those, you know, representatives of that movement specifically Um, more, more so than, you know, the old two parties or?
2: I would say it the other way. It's Mm. been those representatives and, and, and those MPs who actually notice the current Mm. and, and so it's, it's kind of been, been applied in the other way. What's being proposed now is in April, you're going to decide on who the people are going to be that that vote on this, and then the actual uh, writing process, I think it will t- take about two years. Then they're going to propose a model, and then you're going to reject or approve the model. Right. Um, but yet we still don't know what... We, and the way we say we is like uh, general people and those who are seen from the left as well, because when the... Uprising happened. Um, it actually took uh, uh, the anniversary of it was 1.2 million people out on the streets to, for, for uh, Piñera to actually say Hey, we need to some sort of some not some sort of compromise, but we're, we need some way of moving forward and and by November 15th last year there was a broad agreement by the right the center and some aspects of that the broad left, front uh, Ampli, which is the broad left, they all signed off together saying that the to propose this model Mm. other people in the left in parliament weren't even considered they were left quite out so they couldn't involve themselves right. so this was the only way for the model forward and it was seen as a win no one would even be considering talking about constitutional change like mm. six months prior to yeah. it would be the most unconceivable dream <laughs> uh, to actually be discussing it so
1: yeah. so say, I mean it's an amazing result but I mean
2: that that time table you're pointing out
1: there we would you say that, that that actually also, wouldn't that embolden activists on the ground? In yes. The, in trade unions and in the community? Uh, and organizations we, we've seen that. One yeah, like have got a timetable there to actually demand yeah. more change, more yeah. wait for the new constitution.
2: Yeah. One of the real cool things that saw so in this process that immediately after the massive rallies and then talk proposing what sort of model for it, local governments, municipalities actually stepped up and started, and then these... Um, automatic meetings and gatherings like massive assemblies i would call uh, uh, massive assemblies uh, uh, that people pretty much decided to talk about a constitution or talk about the what economic model do we like what should a government be responsible key responsibilities are really really basic uh, things so they can come up with a, a common logo claims pretty much that was done in neighborhoods all over the place uh even the 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 fans of like the soccer clubs that are that are popular like uh, colo-colo which is one of the biggest clubs they had almost two thousand people to theirs they had their own meeting and uh
0: cubildos that's what they're called doesn't i think uh pinera owns like a pretty sizable slice of that soccer club by the way. yes no yes <laughs>
2: exactly <that. laughs> no and and pinochet actually put out a lot of money into that club as well yeah. in the 80s so the and and uh, no, they were seen as the most uh, working class team as well, but right, no. broadly popular. Mm. They, I
1: mean, that's, I mean, that's the, the, um, the really interesting development for us in, in Australia that we wouldn't quite be able to get our heads around is this idea of municipal democracy, like mm. that literally, not, not just like say an ACT government example, right? It was like, okay, we elect our representatives and, you know, the party has a platform mm. and we hope that they go and deliver it, and more of than not. They they can
2: let us down. Um, yeah.
1: But this this idea is actually literally <laughs> having constituent, you know, municipal groups and whatever. And it, it was a way of a, a lefter actually. About, yeah. This is what we want. Yeah. and we are going to do it, and if we don't like it, we're going to get rid of you. Like as our, you know, it's, that's. Uh, Which really
2: was great. Inspired. It was really great to see, and, and very similar how we see in the COVID response. It was actually the local governments right, actually okay. stepping up with like, a hate. We also have a view on this. Well, <laughs> it, it's
1: so. I mean, so Jose. I mean, I think this. This. What's really positive. I. What I'm getting from this is like. I think, um, for the Chilean diaspora, the, all those. I mean, our beloved comrades who found themselves in Australia uh, after the coup. Uh, there's, there's been a number of um, exoduses from Chile uh, over the years. This. This. Um, that. And the, the comrades in in Chile right now. This right now sounds like it's actually a really positive agenda that people can pull to for the next couple of years and that would you say like right now is like at the one hand it's trying to tangibly change the economics and the power of it but also getting rid of that legacy that um, Pinochet left which is one of like neoliberalism is it and that's the only way you can live is is that is that going to actually help in terms of because it has been one of these things noted that the mainstream politicians have really not wanted to go there in terms of what happened in '73.
2: I don't know what, yeah. what are you and thoughts? it's because we, um, yeah, I guess we've we're never been encouraged to even discuss the model yeah. like that, that, that that's being proposed. And we, this is an outright rejection of an entire economic system. Not so much of the politics of being represented, but the actual true economic democracy and that's w- w- so deep-rooted um yeah we don't know what the the next outcome but the opportunities are there and there's enough people activists as well people want to get involved um one of the really cool things is just uh, the levels of uh female activists f- feminists because groups everywhere and from different generations and and you're gonna are uh, they coming to the social movements through that way, or if you, you're doing stuff through the environmental movements, and then there's the indigenous. Very similar to what we see protests in the West. All these groups, different interests come together, but then realizing that they, they pretty much have a, a common cause and and really uh, what they say over there it's really having owning the street, owning the street, having a dominance. And, and even with COVID, when they wanted to illegalize any sort of gathering they were saying we can't give the street back kind of this is us and and it's a very important uh, um, identity that they see themselves because it was like the street that no one cared about no one yeah. no one really considered that they were going to be there because they weren't part of the market yeah. that 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 they've always been encouraged to be part of Or thought they had the opportunities yeah. um, people know that that's not the way and it's an outright rejection. They're not saying we don't like capitalism, but they they know damn well what neoliberalism is.
0: That actually um, reminds me because you, something you said before um, got me thinking, um, which was you brought up Marx's line about kind of capitalism creating its own grave diggers. Mm. Um, I think I was thinking about how you know um, what Marx is thinking about is the way that, uh, in part, he's talking about how the experience of factory work and its discipline and its sort of its structured nature goes on to then structure the way that working class people organize and the discipline and the the structure of it uh is embedded in them and so they start to think of of themselves Mm. as you know cogs in a in a machine what kind of other machines could we be cogs in Um, exactly and so uh what's really interesting about these kind of new 21st century um grassroots movement politics um is that because Uh, they are really coming out of these like left behind communities it's no longer factory work because they've all deindustrialized anyway they're structuring their experience of life it's Mm -hmm. more like in what ways has their immediate community and small municipal governments as well in what ways have those started to structure their experience of the world because that then becomes the new way that they're their ability to organize is like it receives its its structure. Yeah. Um, and so that's what kind of makes these new yeah. new social movements, especially in the global south, really unique. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Now, I think you're like hitting the nail on the head yeah. there, uh, because, because of the state was never there to be the, that safety net, that were accepted. Those networks of being cogs in their communities, workplaces, it was already existing. Yeah. So now they're just kind of being revived a little bit. and. Um, but the the fact that they're existing it's kind of the result of what we see now of the way that they mobilized um yeah i mean the, from from even like a local community aspect you see some really cool amazing stuff COVID pushed everyone to, back inside their houses um which meant that poor people couldn't be out there to sell stuff mm and in a kind of at a service economy that that's the way you can actually make a little bit of income it's not actually finding another job It's actually see what you can sell and that's kind of the poverty that i kind of saw which was very very different because it wasn't a traditional poverty that you might have seen in chile from the 80s that you say uh kids not wearing shoes but someone bare feet like that was a mm. clear sign that that you're living out in the street but nowadays you can actually <laughs> Fire, affordable clothes, not look the part, but yeah, people really, really struggling. To, um selling uh, uh, lunches and the street, like wife saying, "Look, I cooked all this stuff, and don't need to make yourself lunch and dinner." Little, little ways that they can do. Uh, Covid push everyone inside. Then all these organisations at a, a local level stepped up, uh, and it was with food. It was communal soup kitchens. They're called Oya Comunes. And the current fundraising of all the movement stuff that's been going is actually to aid them directly. So it's really just uh, people in the neighborhoods kind of looking after each other, particularly the elderly, mm-hmm. uh, saying, look, they're not cooking for themselves every day. It's obvious that they've been to go and the, the, your local organisations step up. Mm. And
1: has that put pressure on the, the government and the, the parties to actually, you know, grow a spine
2: and fix up how they, they deal with health? I think so. I th- well, yes and no. And I think that, at a at a local level, you'd really see that that uh, that level of orga- organization, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and 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 re- in in a broad way. And, and that's kind of the re- more reassuring things that you see about this all the political uncertainties of it, that people do want to be involved, um, and and step up. Um, but the opportunities are there. Yeah. Uh, if we, if the political parties have been dormant the people at a, at a at a neighborhood level aren't so There's, it yeah. still comes through it still comes through i mean it, it's it's been it coming in a way that we haven't seen uh, before i mean political parties haven't been the 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 leading um, actors in it but
1: there's an opening.
2: There. There's an or opening, or, or, and, and, or it, and, it's gra- and it's all and it's all grassroots. It's really, really yeah. cool and healthy.
1: Yeah. Because, mm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's on the one hand, I mean, I, I think... We've seen sometimes some movements suffer from... Um, yeah, it's kind of understandable, like coming out of a, a, a history where political parties found themselves... Let's say left organisations got smashed. They, they haven't gone and um, basically... <laughs> there's not much officially a- available semi-clandestine if you like and then going to let people down yeah. you know the, the, when there's been a change that you get this sort of the anti-politics and we, we have you know we see that in Australia mm-hmm. with people who've got this um, interesting range of anti-politics sort of stuff they associate political parties as being part of the problem exactly um, yeah. and I think what, you, what you've been saying Jose is like I'm really highlighting an opportunity there that there is incredible great, grassroots municipal community organising um neighborhoods we know that there's stuff happening in, in unions and workplaces yeah. but there's an opportunity there for organization political I mean even if they call themselves parties what I don't know but that's that's probably that's my take out. I'm not mm. going to go in, mm. on a, an autonomous sort of um
2: uh, <laughs> yeah but like many places, the left is very fragmented yeah. and divided. Well, yeah, and
0: were, act acting coalition, which you
2: can't, can't be said. Yeah.
0: Fra- left yeah. Yeah. Is one of the real yeah.
2: kind of impulses or, or... Well, they're feeding people. <laughs> um, one of the things that I've noticed is just throughout the whole process of seeing kind of month by month, which way politically think, the path that's been paved is that level of distrust, even within the left of each other and any other... Actors is just, uh, I, mean, I guess what they're asking is just a level of uh, uh, transparency in their yeah. process and really holding each other accountable. Mm. And that's been cool to see as well. Mm. you yeah. kind of saying of like, people know immediately when they're being fed a line mm. and, and, and not answering in the in that direct way. Yeah. So within
0: um, like Frente Amplio, um, would you say there are any sort of tension points that we should watch out for in that left coalition? They're
2: um, very interesting. Uh, yeah. Frente Amplio uh, uh, came out out of what we've seen as the broader left and and different travellers that you might see out of the, uh, the broader left they came out pretty much as a as a left-wing alternative to what the communist party were, were were putting up um they from 2011 they've also had student leaders who are quite prominent and it's really interesting with student leaders and student unions in general you see it on the news televised who the, the who wins the kind of um, NUS presidency equivalency, it makes the news. Cause, and right. they do, yeah. And even at a high school level, like high yeah, school right. students, they have their own student organizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And historically, like, they carry weight. And if you get someone who's actually saying it from it, it carries a bit of because they do represent a, yeah, a right. large amount of people. Um,
1: and that's from that history of the young often.
2: Exactly. And boss. you would have seen those structures very lightly touched from the 1970s, 80s. Yeah, so, right. this, so this is like deep era. Pinochet yeah. with his web throughout the whole country, and this is kind of the response of what an organised left was mm. counteracting.
0: And that, like in the student, maybe like even yeah, in sort of high school students' movements, especially, it's like there it was able to be retained a little, you know, the cells of the left, and you know, and. The, that like rebellious movement yeah
2: yeah it's more difficult if you're,
0: you know if you're like a yeah like a, a military authoritarian it's easier to persecute trade unionists and like adult leftists than it is to start disappearing like you know kids in high school yeah so yeah. um didn't stop them in South Africa
2: they yeah, yeah. and yeah. if you know the, the special forces of the police are also actually oh, yeah. that you leave them after the, that's closest where it's, it was coming to. I mean we saw this year Uh, special forces police go into classrooms with riot gear and and to that level that hadn't been seen before Like usually a teacher was respected in his own workplace, they have some level of authority Um, so yeah that that level of cracking down, they weren't that that, that far from it Mm. Um, it's interesting you talk about their front because they were never from the direct descendants of uh, left wing political tradition Mm. and In 2011, they came out and they had a a few MPs uh, that usually kind of voice for what pretty broad claim of what the left was. Now, the 15th of November, the the right uh, Christian Democrats and a few of kind of the what would have seen as the Michel Bachelet block that was seen before, they signed an accord of peace that was going to talk about this pathway of referendum, um, constitution writing bodies, etc. And the, the leaders of, of, of the Frente Amplio, they jumped on as well, which they got crucified for. Those leaders can't show their faces at protests. I've seen him actually pretty much like like spat on, uh, chanted like they could not do it. Particularly, I'm thinking of MP Gabriel Boric, very mm. great speaker, smart guy. But yeah, he was sitting at the table with all the right and the center saying, hey, we're part of this accord for peace and in the street it was rejected saying you're acting on behalf of the street us Mm. and even saying that just in fact it's coming from a parliamentary solution to it already seen as a street as something illegitimate because they were never included in this. It's, it's, like just, the, it's, it's the, the same world. thing to kind of come up again in different examples yeah. of whether your local activism or what you want to see yeah. a, out of your police or what it, 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 it just keeps reoccurring mm. it's it,
0: like the Pueblo is kind sort of saying like no no like we're going to learn the lesson from say Syriza we're, mm. not, we're not demobilizing and you're not going to go into the sort of holes of power and start kind of you know operating on the level of the sort of existing establishment like yeah. mm. and that we're not going to sort of yeah allow you to kind of put us down um, we're, we're staying out in the streets and, yeah.
1: yeah I mean it's kind of like it reminds me of an analogy of um, say in a, a union environment where you have a, a national secretary you've, you've had a prolonged struggle and a national secretary comes out and says oh we've got peace in our time we've done a deal <laughs> actually going back to you know the, the rank and file representatives and the membership like, <laughs> here's a proposed deal let's talk about it Rather than no, no, he's now's my chance to shine. Okay, <laughs> right, face on the face in the news, yeah, on the national news. That, anyway, that you just no,
2: it's it. got that it's, level of apathy they see.
1: It's a real key political thing, though, to, for, for all those aspiring leaders out there of the labour movement yeah. uh, and in social politics. So, uh, always make sure that you you've gone back to people, you know, <laughs> the membership before you go. And, yeah, like, did, did I make make
2: calls or have curious definitions of consultation. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, yes. <laughs> um. One of the the really interesting things for anyone from the left to watch is that there's there's so much history there that there's a level of broad politicization in in society that has always existed. So even though they might reject economic models or even apathy to be involved in politics, there's always kind of like there's a deep education uh, on politics in general, and and you see in really cool traditions that you see throughout so from you know anarchists in the 19th century is to like so it's, it's always existed, it's always yeah. been a, a deep current where where ideas of social progress and left are discussed a little bit more more deeply. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that
1: probably swings us around to Australia. Like, I mean, obviously we're quite inspired. Dragon a adult capital, we're <laughs> inspired by um, what's happened in Chile and we, we think it should definitely be, be covered more. And I think I think we're coming to the conclusion. The reason why it's not covered on the mainstream uh, in Australia is precisely because of the outcome, which mm. is basically a necessarily a, a nation. Them. <laughs> yeah. so it's just seventy-eight percent to reject the it's, constitution, yeah. which is purely based on locking in neoliberalism. Mm. And um, that's that's mm.
2: an amazing. And you start asking the wrong questions. So I think that does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. They, and that we're now
0: like we've seen in Chile, like the the dominant center-left coalition parties are actually not they're not like on the doorstep of history anymore no. it's, like, it's other people it's like yeah uh, a movement rising out of like the streets yep. it's, Yeah, it's
2: it like, was really cool it was cool to yeah. see up front as well or, yeah. or, 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 of of their potential mm. and what
1: do you think for, for a look of Australians um, Australian socialists and other people like what, what do you what do you think the take out is like from this this recent the referendum like
2: um, it wasn't a surprise I guess for the left in general that this yeah. was going to be the the, the, uh, the outcome of it um I mean it's really questioning your model for the last forty years on the entire west and yeah, so yeah. I mean there's such a big can of worms yep. uh it's something we should all be looking at very closely yep. uh um because I mean, Chile was always a place that it was kind of experimental, and this was before uh, Pinochet and the Constitution. I mean, I mean, and the Constitution of nineteen eighty. Um, Eurocommunists were always uh, always uh, um, observant and 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 inspired inspired by Chile because again, they in nineteen seventy being the first directly elected uh, hmm. uh, uh, socialist, mm-hmm. and I got it in the ALP here as well. People yeah. were looking at, at that time were having a quite. A close uh, eye on it because the potentials of of what was going to happen locally were going to be quite, um, quite more directed than 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 previously thought.
0: Mm. Um, Actually, speaking of like um, parallels between Australia, maybe it's something we can go out on. Um, So this is a a quote that I I just sort of um, jotted down. From an article in Jacobin um, about what's been going on in Chile. Um, and this is from Emilia Rios Saavedra, um, who is a city councillor in uh, Ninoa, in Santiago. Um, and she is a representative for um, Revolucion Democratica. Um, she said to Jacobin um, economically, Chile uh, continues to do the same thing it's been doing for 20 years, namely following an extractivist model which relies heavily on copper but also has to do with forestry, fisheries, etc. This creates a tension and a feeling of helplessness where the political system cannot respond. There is no capacity on the one hand, and on the other hand, political and economic elites above all are not capable of thinking about the larger needs of the country. Uh, and I read that and thought, oh, that's like describing Australia exactly. Sort of, yeah, pop her yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. out for like coal and like iron ore <laughs> and yep. uh, you know um, uranium or whatever, yeah. and. Yeah, it's like we uh, we have been made into this, this, education this dumb country class, that, yeah, yeah. that just exports yeah. raw minerals and education, basically. For other
2: like the parallels are there. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Like it, So you kind of think this is kind of weird, eccentric little yeah. kind of island of, of politics there, but it, I mean, there's things it's that the benefit. And even the way kind of Chilean society, it's like divided itself. I mean, it's very similar to Australia in a way that there's always been that 40% who are always going to vote right, and then another 40% who always... Going to be opposing that, um, and you get the other thing that it, uh, yeah, everyone considers supposed to be middle class, whether you're not. You know, just kind of in <laughs> the, the things of of yeah. modern day yeah. of modern day living as well. And yeah. um, and
0: how the neoliberal consensus um, closes off like everybody's imagination about yep. what yeah. we could do with our collective power and all, yeah. with the state, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's just it has to seal that off because that's supposed to be the economy has to be kind of. Uh, screened off over here so that you can't see people f- stuffing their pockets. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and look, I was gonna ask, like, for for our listeners, what 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 kind of are there some English language uh ones um uh, who are you following that, you know, would be accessible for um uh, an English language audience to to it's, you know, get an idea of what's going on. There's it's been hard mounds of stuff on social media. It's been already.
2: hard to get Yeah. I know, and even sources that you've kind of been uh, trustful yeah. of as well yeah, in yeah. The, the way that, that's been, re- been reported. i got to say from experience, social media's probably been the, and that's been hard because you do have to pick away at it. And even yeah. with someone myself who actually, that kind of from my direct background, even that's been a, a little bit hard. Mm. Um, well, ja- I mean, just people like Jacobin, I mean, yeah. yeah like, uh, um,
0: tell would be yeah
2: Telesur <a real> Telesur yeah. is interesting because uh, uh, um, from Venezuela yeah uh, so uh, Redfish who was yeah. one of the and, uh, in social media seen quite a lot as well I think mm. Um, yeah, to we me might me kind me of rushed from me Russia
0: them, um, Russian backstage. Yeah, yeah that's what I've heard <laughs> as well
2: i am going to say they, they've done it and we tell yeah. this as well but they've actually hired left-wingers to talk about even yeah. like and, and that's when it becomes more interesting when you talk about these yeah. cultural stuff you know you don't yeah. check all these sources to adjust the exact stats on things um it's been hard to actually follow it. I, yeah, go, I got to say right, to some, right. a, and I think that things will be developing. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of something, really, not much comes to mind because every we just put question marks all over it.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I think that means and, we'll
0: have to have you back, and uh, you be more, be happy we can we can. We can the there's
2: there's yeah. so much to discuss. There, yeah, there's a right. mean, and, and and I mean not because an eccentric example is uh, we we all like can get a lot out of it. I mean, stuffs reflect to. Our daily living, working lives for a good forty years now. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're we're all in this. <laughs> uh,
1: that's right. You're here. Uh, now you've been listening to Dole Capital, and we've got a social media presence now, don't we? Too? Yeah, yeah, oh.
0: you, yeah. You can find us on on Twitter, dear listener, um, at Dole Capital, D O H K A P I T A L, and we're on Facebook. Do you know what our Facebook URL is, or you can just I search Doll Capital. It's, yeah, so
1: you can just go, yeah, D O H. K-A-P-I-T-A-L. Yeah, find us there. Leave uh, us a rating. No exclamation. Sorry, was it hyphen? No, God. Yeah, you'll find it. it. It'll come up. The way it's spelled, it's (laughs) unique. You'll find
2: it. Yeah, uh, (laughs) yeah,
0: leave us a rating on whatever um, podcast app or whatever you're listening to us on. That's really helpful. And um, yeah, otherwise, um, thanks so much to Jose Munoz. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Jose. It's been great.
1: We'll have you again for another chat, I'm sure. I'm more than happy to. (laughs) Good one. Thank you.